Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Nice. You guys are more awake than first service was. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's so good to be here with you guys, whether you are joining us online or here in person. My name is Taylor Mabry, and I am one of the pastors here at the Valley Church, and I'm really excited to be here. This is probably one of my favorite things to do uh, because I just love to dive into God's Word, and I love to study it together, and I love to see how it can, can speak to us and see how it can really impact our lives for the better and how God is calling us to just draw closer to him. And so this is one of my favorite things to do um, out of the many things that I love to do here at the Valley Church. So I thought I'd start by sharing something that's been on my heart and mind recently. Um, And that is just Thanksgiving and Christmas. (laughs) And probably not for the reasons that you would think. Uh, I love food. I am looking forward to food. That is predominantly why I look forward to Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. I mean, yeah, they have like other great things about them, but I am like ready for the food. I love food. Honestly, if you give me food, I will be your friend. Like just, I don't care if you show up here to work and you're like, hi, I bought you chicken nuggets. I'll be like, oh my goodness, thank you. I love food. And so it was a benefit growing up because my brothers and I, we weren't really picky. I mean, we had a few foods that we were like, eh, I'd prefer not to eat that. But we never were just like, I will not eat like 75% of the foods that are in existence, you know? So my mom really appreciated that. But there, of course, were a couple different foods that I wasn't a huge fan of growing up. And one of those being avocados. I was not a fan of avocados. I was like, I cannot, they are slimy, they are green, they are gross, and I was like, I will not eat avocados. And I had this opinion for a long time. Like, I went from, I think I had avocados maybe when I was 10, and then I, you know, got to college, and I still did not like avocados. I never ate guacamole. I was like, how can you people eat that stuff? That is nasty. And I think that God has a sense of humor because he gave me a roommate that, like, loves avocados. I mean, she would go and like cut an avocado in half and put some salt and pepper on it and just walk around the room like eating it with a spoon. And I'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's so gross. It's so slimy. And she's like, you, hey, don't knock it till you try it. Okay. Like, please. And I was like, no, no. So I think it was finally like sophomore year that she got me to try avocados because she's like, Taylor, when was the last time you had an avocado? And I was like, I was 10. And she's like, I think it's time for you to try an avocado again. And I was like, fine. So she cuts an avocado in half and she salt and peppers it. And I'm like, I am not going to like this. <laughs> and I was, I was all sassy about it. I'm stubborn. And so I start eating this avocado and I'm like, see, it's really. And I was like, this is actually really good. And she's like, I know. And my whole life was changed. And I, all of a sudden, like personally for me, I was like, avocados are the greatest. I now, I love to eat them on everything now, and like, I love guacamole, but for the longest time, I was convinced. I was like, avocados are terrible, and then I had like this personal change and this personal pivot from hating avocados to loving avocados, and so, I mean, that's pretty funny, but I think that it kind of relates to how we often will have personal changes throughout our life. We, we are constantly learning new things, which is great, It's awesome. 
And there are going to be times when, in our life when we will have a personal pivot. Not pivoting just because, you know, the world around us is changing, but pivoting internally in our heart. Because a personal change in perspective and understanding or change of heart is a personal pivot. And I think that we are constantly learning new information. If you ask anyone in here, you guys can say I wasn't the same person that I was a year ago or maybe that I was five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago even. We're constantly learning new information. And as we learn new information and as we allow our heart to be shaped, we pivot and we can have a personal change that shapes who we are. Whether we like it or not, there are things in this life that will shape us into who we are. They will shape our personality. They will shape what we do, how we act, what we believe, things like that. And I think that everyone can agree here that we have really had to have a lot of change this year. We've had to personally pivot in our understanding of what it means to be in community, what it means to have friends, what it means to be a family and, and to go grocery shopping, and what it means to buy toilet paper, because apparently that's a big deal. And so we have to personally pivot maybe from an opinion we held once before where I never thought we would run out of toilet paper, and now all of a sudden, here we are. And so this past year has really brought a lot of change in our lives. And so we have to often have a personal pivot in our lives, sometimes because of things around us and sometimes because of life circumstances and a personal opinion or perspective that God is like, mm, we might want to adjust that. So today we're going to be looking at uh, an apostle in the Bible called Peter and how Peter had a personal pivot. He had a personal change in worldview and in perspective. And so before I dive into who Peter is, if you have your Bible or if you have maybe the YouVersion Bible app, you can look up Acts chapter 10. That's where we're going to be focusing today. So Acts chapter 10. While you're looking that up, let's talk about Peter. I love to do character sketches because I think it helps us understand exactly who is in the story and helps us connect with them. So Peter was a disciple of, of Christ. He was one of the 12. He was said to probably be in the top three closest people to Jesus Christ. And he walked with him for several years and learned from him. Uh, Peter was Jewish. Peter also was a fisherman, so he's probably a little rough around the edges because that was a very difficult job. And so he had grown up his whole life being Jewish. He had grown up, you know, being a fisherman. And then he stops everything and he becomes a, an, a disciple of Christ. And then he goes, and after Christ dies and resurrects and goes to heaven, then Peter goes and he spreads the gospel. And he became one of the forerunners for the early church in Acts and just in the Bible in general, okay? So that's kind of who we're talking about. This guy, he knew his stuff. I mean, he had spent time with Jesus. And so we're going to pick it up in this story and we're going to break it down because it's a long chapter and we're going to start with verses 9 through 16 because we're going to focus on a story when Peter has a personal pivot and God talks directly to him. So if you join me in Acts 10, verse 9 through 16, we're going to start there. So the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, saying, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. 
and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So, I have to have this because I don't want to have a dry throat. So, all right. Well, we are going to be diving into first breaking this part down before we move on to the next section, okay? So what happened in this section? Well, Peter's traveling. He's traveling with a, a group, and he goes up to the rooftop to pray. And of course, he gets hungry while he's up there. So they start preparing food. But while he's hungry, all of a sudden, he has this vision of food. I can relate to that. I also dream about food when I'm hungry. But I think this is very different because God gives him this vision of this giant, like, blanket almost coming down with all kinds of creatures and animals in it. And he says, go ahead, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. Because remember, Peter, Peter was Jewish, and there are certain foods that the Jews were not allowed to eat. And so this, this blanket was filled with animals that were also animals that the Jews were not allowed to eat because they were supposed to be separate. They were supposed to be kept holy and separate. So Peter's like, this is probably a test. No, God, I won't kill and eat. And God's like, all right. So he does it like three times, and he's just like, hey, do not call unclean and common what I have made clean. And so Peter's like, okay. And he does this three times and then takes it back up to heaven. Now, before we move on to the next section, which is going to be verses 23 through 35, I have to give a little bit of a bridge here, okay? So Peter has this vision. Well, while he has this vision, there's these men that come to the door down below, and they knock, and they go, we're looking for Peter. And they're like, well, he's upstairs, and they're just like, we were sent by Cornelius the centurion, and Cornelius is calling for Peter to come. And now, a centurion at the time was a guard in the Roman army, and they were a Gentile. There were Jews, and anyone who wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. And the Jews didn't really affiliate with them. So the odds of someone coming to say, hey, we're looking for Peter, who is Jewish, and we are a Gentile, that would have been weird. And they're like, we were sent to come call Peter to come to Cornelius. So we're going to pick it up where Peter agrees to go with them. He comes back down. He's still thinking about the vision. He finds these men, and he goes, okay, yeah, I'll come with you. So we're going to pick it up in verse 23 to see when he goes to Cornelius' house what exactly happens. Verse 23 says, So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. 
So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So Peter goes to this guy's house, Cornelius. And while he's there, Cornelius is like, look, I also had a dream. And if you notice, Peter did say, hey, you remember that we're not really supposed to associate, right? Like, this is weird. But, and all of a sudden, Peter has a moment of like a light bulb where he gets the vision that he had. And he goes, but God has told me that I should not call unclean or common what God has made clean. And he says this famous line, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So what was Peter's pivot? Well, Peter pivoted from believing that the Jews were the only ones who could be accepted in the kingdom of God to now believing that it was offered to everybody. This was no normal pivot. This was no normal, oh, he doesn't, you know, he likes avocados now. Like, this is a little bit bigger than that. Because all of a sudden, imagine that you have been taught from a very young age that you are not allowed to associate with a certain group of people, and they are not accepted in the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not true anymore. I accept anyone who is willing to do what is right and to come to me. And so, for Peter, this would have flipped his world upside down to all of a sudden have a moment of, oh my goodness, you're, you're right. To do this would have changed everything from him. And so, God calls Peter to see the world through his lens. He's like, Peter, I need you to see the world the way I see the world. I need you to focus and see the, the nation's the way that I see them and through my lens. And so he's like, Peter, I'm going to need you to personally pivot and turn from your understanding of what you think is right. And here's the deal. This was big because it went against everything that Peter grew up with. But there are sometimes going to be moments that we are called to pivot personally. And there are going to be many times that God calls us to personally pivot or to change our perspective to become more like him. He called Peter to become more like him. He calls us to become more like him. And that requires us to personally pivot. And so when I was reading this, I'll be honest, I really struggled for some time about what to pull out of it because there's a lot of layers to this story. There's a lot of things we could look at and a lot of things that God is speaking to us about in here. But I kind of narrowed it down to two that I really think would help us in our life when we are looking at what is the personal pivot for us. How do we personally pivot? And so the first thing that I think that we can learn is that if we're going to personally pivot, we have to be ready to pivot. You know, Peter was on the rooftop praying. He was waiting for God. He was receptive to what God wanted to tell him. And right now in our world, there are a lot of things trying to get our attention. We have a lot of information coming at us from all different sides. We have a lot of people trying to give us their opinions. We have a lot of friends, neighbors, family, co-workers, you name it. Social media, 
trying to get our attention, trying to be like, oh, no, listen to me. No, 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 I have it right. No, 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 I'm right. And we have like all of this, and we can get so distracted and so confused by everything else that's around us that we miss out on what God is trying to tell us. We have to be ready to pivot. So I've talked before about, in here, about kind of my personal testimony. And, and part of that includes, my, most of my life I've struggled with anxiety. And I've gotten better at it. But for a lot of my earlier years, I would struggle with anxiety and kind of the need to, to control and the fear of like, oh, what if this happens? And what if this happens? And like, I had to have everything perfect. Even from a young age, I was that kid that would cry every birthday because I didn't want to get older because I did not like change. I was like, I cannot control it, therefore I hate it. You can ask my parents, little nine-year-old me going, I want to be nine forever. And I'm like, now I'm like, no, you don't want to be nine forever. Like, it's okay. Like, and, but back then, for me, it was a big deal. I hated change. Anything that threw my life off, mm-mm. no, I was not very adventurous. I just, I just didn't do that sort of thing because I was afraid of change. And, and for a lot of my life, this would then grow into more of the need to control and the need to kind of make sure that everything was perfect and the need to, you know, be enough. And of course, you have to see the other sermon that I did on that to feel to see the rest of the story. But for a lot of my life, I lived in this fear of change, basically a fear of, of pivoting, of turning, of doing anything. So I went into college and at the beginning of college, I was like, this is ridiculous. I am so anxious all the time. And I was like, fine, God, I give up. I can't do this anymore. You're going to have to do something because I cannot live the rest of my life in constant fear of change because change happens. That's a fact. And so I need you to help me prepare for change. And all of a sudden, slowly but surely, God started working on my heart and he started showing me that I didn't have to fear change. And he started working on my heart and saying, you know, looking into the dark areas of my life where I had so much fear and saying, you don't have to fear change. I need you to change in your opinion of pivoting and in your opinion of anxiety and in your opinion of when things happen and throw off your perfect little schedule. And I wasn't perfect at it, but sooner or later, I started to realize that instead of every time change happened, I wouldn't freak out, but instead, God started to show me that every time change happens, it's an opportunity for me to grow. And sooner or later, I got excited for change because all of a sudden, I realized that every time change happens, I get to become closer to God because he is going to grow me in a way that is going to grow me closer to him. And I'm not saying that when hard times come, I don't still get all like anxious. And I don't, this past year has been rough. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it. But I'm saying that I never actually would have started to think that way if I hadn't actually started looking for God to be my solution. If I hadn't actually started pivoting in my perspective and started to try and see the world through God's lens, through God's eyes. And I don't know what God is calling you to personally pivot in. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, hey, this is where God is calling you to personally pivot because it's a personal pivot. You know. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you still need to be looking for it. 
Maybe you need to pivot like Peter in your opinion of others. Maybe you need to pivot in how you understand the world, how you understand love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, how to parent, how to be a good friend, how to be a good coworker. Maybe you need to pivot in that. I don't know what your personal pivot would look like. And Peter didn't realize he needed to pivot either, but Peter found out he needed to pivot because he was ready to pivot. He was ready for the presence of God. And you have to actually be ready or have an open heart for you to hear what God is saying to you. I tell my teens all the time, you cannot see something that you are not looking for. And we all can be pretty stubborn. I know I'm stubborn. But if you're all looking around and you're like, no, God's, God's not here. He doesn't need to change in my life. I'd be like, are you looking for him to change your life? Because the process of growing closer to God is him shaping us and molding us and allowing us to look at the world the way that he does. And we should always be looking for how God wants us to pivot because God is calling us to be more like Jesus. But we can't do that if we're not even looking for him, if we're not even thinking that we might be wrong about some things. You are probably wrong about some things. I am definitely wrong about some things. But I don't know that unless I'm looking for God to constantly be working in my life. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we become more like God, when we become more like Christ, we are able to have more love, more grace, more forgiveness, more mercy. It, the list goes on. And you might be like, well, how do I do this? How do I even like start to look for God? How do I even like personally pivot? Well, first of all, how's your prayer life? Are you spending alone time with God? Are you getting in his word? Are you in a community of people that can support you. You may be in here and you may not even be sure you believe in God. That's okay. You may be out there and you might be asking, well, I don't even know if he's real. That's okay. That's why God wants you to seek him, but you're not going to find him if you're not even looking for him. God wants you to see him. And so I challenge you guys to do that, to dive into your word, to dive into prayer, to dive into surrounding yourself with people who are going to point you to him. And so the question we have is, are you ready for when God calls you to pivot? Because Peter was ready, and that's how he was able to pivot so fast. The second way that we can look about personally pivoting and look at that is we have to be willing to pivot. Are you willing to pivot even when it makes you uncomfortable? Because change is hard. Changing your heart and your mind seems even harder. But we have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order to change. When I first started this job, it was about a, maybe a year and a half ago now, uh, four weeks in, we decided to take the teens to King's Island. And now, I, I was raised in Ohio. I've been to King's Island. I know what's at King's Island but I hate roller coasters. And so I was like, okay, we're going to take the teens to Kings Island. Let's do this. And internally, I'm like, uh-uh. Like, I have not ridden roller coasters since I was like nine, ten-ish years old. And like, I had had a bad experience on one. And like, it scared me. And so I didn't, I was like, no, no roller coasters. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, 
You don't have to ride roller coasters. It's okay. They can ride roller coasters. You can watch the bags. Just don't, just don't show fear. They can smell fear. Thank you. We'll just keep going. So they can smell fear. And so I was like, I can't. They will know. And the teens will be like, our new youth pastor is a chicken. And I'm like, I can't do this. Of course, like I said, I was a new youth pastor. Four weeks in, I was actually concerned about what the teens thought of me. Not really anymore. And so I've grown out of that. But like, by then, I was like, okay, just be cool, be cool, be cool. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, I'll watch the bags. You guys go ahead. You go ahead. And then one of the leaders, being so helpful, was like, oh, I'll watch the bags. You go ahead. And, and I'm like, thanks. <laughs> so I go off with the teens, and we go on to uh, the ride Banshee, which is like, has like a million loops, it felt like, which only has three, but it felt like a million loops. And so I was like, okay, I'm standing in line, and I'm like, we're going to do this. Just don't show fear. You got this. I was like sweating, and my hands were shaking, and I was like, okay, just do it. So we get, we get in the roller coaster, and I'm like, it's going to go. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You're going to survive. And it just like sets off, and, we, and I'm screaming the whole way. And we get there, and we get back to the end, and we stop, and I know a teen was next to me, and they looked at me, and they're just like, wow, you're really pale. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, Taylor, you're going to have to open your eyes. You're going to get off this roller coaster, and you're going to walk down those stairs, and you're going to be like, okay, you guys ride it again. Bye. And I open my eyes, and I'm like, all of a sudden registering. It's like shock after shock. So I was like, that wasn't that bad. And then I was like, that was actually really fun. And I was like, let's go again. And so we go again. And I rode like several different roller coasters that day because these teens were like, yeah. And they were like pushing me out of my comfort zone. And here's the deal is there are times when things are going to be uncomfortable. I was so scared. I wish you could have been there. I was not ready for that. But it moved me to a place where I enjoyed that trip 10 times more than I ever thought I would. And I was able to build a relationship while standing in those really long lines with the teens that helped set a foundation for the rest of my time here. There will be times when change is hard. You will be uncomfortable. And I get it. Pivoting in our world can hurt and even cause fear. And we wonder, what if I fail? What if I'm not right? What if, what if people look at me weird because all of a sudden I claim this? And what if, and the list can go on. But we cannot allow that to, to dictate our opinions, our views, our perspectives when God is desperately trying to get us to pivot and to see the world the way that he sees the world. To see people the way that he sees people. And that's one of the beautiful things about God is he is constantly showing us something new every day if we are willing to actually look for it and if we are willing to step into that even when it upsets our life. And when God pushes us outside of our comfort zone and aligns us with how he sees the world, it will further his kingdom because it will always, always be about loving and serving others. It will always be about moving his kingdom forward. And it will always be about growing you to be in a better place with him.
and moving you to be in a closer relationship with him. And you know, Peter had to change his entire worldview. Talk about uncomfortable to go and talk to people that he had been taught his entire life were not allowed to be God. And all of a sudden, God is like, I'm going to blow that out of the water. You're wrong. I'm changing that. And it expanded his ministry in so many ways because here's what Peter knew and what we know as Christians is becoming a Christian means that change will happen because God calls us to renewing of our mind to be more like him and not to stay stuck where we can be, but to find freedom in him. And it's so worth it because when I start seeing the world the way that God does, and when we figure out how to personally pivot to see things through his lens, we are open to much more grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and freedom. Because to see the world the way that God sees the world means that we are acknowledging that he is ultimately in control. It means that we acknowledge that he is ultimately the one who we can trust and who has the right idea of how to live. And for Peter to personally pivot means that he was opened up to a new world of loving others and seeing everyone as equally important. And that is amazing. And that is why the ending challenge for us is and for me, because I'm still getting used to change, is how are we trying to see how God is calling us to pivot, and how are we getting ready to be willing to pivot when God calls us to, to be willing to be uncomfortable, to be willing to be changed, because yes, it hurts when we have to be changed, but my life, I can attest, is so much better because I allowed God to work in my heart and show me the change is an area to grow. And so now I can stand up here confidently and say that and say that I'm still working on it. But what are you needing to let God work in you to personally pivot in you? What relationships, situation, ideals, you name it, do we need to see through God's lens in order for the work of the kingdom to prosper in that particular area of our life? Because I can tell you what, if it is even a quarter or a half as good as the personal pivot that Peter had, it will change lives, and it will change your life. Because because Peter was able to personally pivot, he was able to spread the gospel with so many more people. Cornelius and his entire family accepted Christ that day and became Christians. That never would have happened if Peter had been like, no, that would require me to be stepping out of my box. And so where do we need to personally pivot in our life in order to bring that to a close, in order to further the kingdom of God? What do we need to see through God's lens in order for the work of the kingdom to prosper and in order for your heart to continue to grow closer to him? Let's pray. God, today I want to thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here. I want to thank you so much for how you are constantly working in our life. You are constantly changing in us. You are constantly growing us closer to you, God, and I just am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to learn, that we have the opportunity to grow. I pray that everyone in this room today feels you working on their heart, and everyone that's watching online today knows that you are speaking to them, that you are continuing to grow us throughout the weeks, throughout the months, to look at the world the way that you do, God. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend because changed lives change lives.